Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance, and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Hey, what if your home's title, which is the legal document that proves you own your home, is in some criminal's name? Well, that's called home title theft, and criminals all over the world can find your home's title online, and then they'll forge your signature, they'll take out loans against your home, or even worse, sell your home. Now, how do you know some criminal's not taking over the title to your home? You can find out with sign up at HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity, and Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. Good afternoon, America. I'm Raheem Kassam sitting in for Sean Hannity here in Midtown Manhattan. Again, I'm Raheem Kassam, the editor-in-chief of Breitbart London, sitting in here for Sean Hannity today while the president of the United States is on my side of the pond. That's right, President Trump in Poland this morning. I want to hear what you guys have to say about what you've heard so far. And if you haven't, we're going to play some clips over the course of this show. We've got a great show planned for you guys today. We've got Dr. Sebastian Gorka from the White House who will join us in this hour. We'll also be talking about the case of the 10-month-old baby, Charlie Gard, who uh, has basically been sentenced to death by the British courts and the European Court of Human Rights. It's an incredibly disturbing case. And we're hoping that we're going to be getting some exclusive commentary and exclusive insight into Charlie Gard's situation and where he stands now following that ruling by the European Court of Human Rights from a very close friend of the family. We'll also, of course, be focusing on hashtag CNN blackmail, CNN, the 
Corleone News Network, as they've come to be known on social media, in a true shakedown of a meme maker, somebody who mocked that news organization on Twitter, was threatened by CNN. And we're going to be talking about that with my good buddy, the founder and CEO of American Majority, Ned Ryan, will join us. And also Matthew Tiermand, who is a Polish-American journalist who is suing a newspaper in Poland. See, it all comes together very well with the Poland today. Uh, that is supported by none other than George Soros. But the president is indeed in, uh, was indeed this morning in Poland, obviously very busy in Hamburg now for the G20 summit, Angela Merkel hosting that one. This morning he spoke about challenging and defeating radical Islamic terrorism. To rapturous applause, people chanting his name on the streets of Poland, but of course, That's not what the media wants to report over here. No, CNN is pivoting to Russia already. The Washington Post interviewed three students from a liberal university in Warsaw and then claimed that President Trump was not popular in Warsaw, in Poland, as a result of those three people that they quoted in their article yesterday. It's extraordinary stuff. 800-941-7326 is the number. 800-941-SEAN. S-E-A-N. Sean. You know, it has been a nightmare week for CNN. It really has been. At least if, if they could get to sleep, they'd be having a nightmare. CEO Jeff Zucker is saying that he doesn't get much sleep anyway. I'm not, I, I, I don't blame him. How could you sleep if you were this man? You know, what they're doing at the moment is immoral. It is unjust. It is unbalanced and shrouded with the premise of objectivity. But more than anything, it's hysterical. They They are prone to mass hysteria right now. I mean, you look at the videos that came out last week from James O'Keefe. If you haven't seen them, make sure you look for them. The videos, the undercover videos that showed CNN staff mocking the average American, mocking American voters, mocking Kellyanne Conway, saying the Russian narrative is a big nothing burger. All, all caught on tape. Look at what happened when Breitbart.com, my uh, parish, Exposed the fact that CNN's claim about Anthony Scaramucci, one of the uh, one of the close Trump campaign operatives, was under investigation by the Treasury Committee. No such thing happened, and three of their investigative reporters had to resign. And of course, we've already spoken about hashtag CNN blackmail. So yes, it's been an absolute nightmare of a week for them. And you know what? Instead of holding their hands up and saying we're sorry, we got it wrong. We've done some things that we shouldn't have done, and we're going to you know, investigate ourselves and reflect and, and be big boys about this. Be grown-ups about it. No, 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 no. CNN is now pivoting back to Russia, where they feel most comfortable, in smack-bang in the middle of conspiracy land, ladies and gentlemen.
you know, their website is currently focused on what President Trump said about what it is to be a modern president. Forget what he said about radical Islamic terrorism this morning. Sure, just wipe that under the carpet. Forget the rapturous reception to thousands of people chanting Donald Trump, Donald Trump on the streets of Warsaw. Nope, that never happened in CNN world either. Forget the fact that he actually stood forthright against Vladimir Putin this morning by talking about Poland's energy situation and the idea that America can help Poland get natural gas so they're not dependent on Russia, that doesn't get any coverage. Nope. And it's not surprising. And I want to get into an area of of, of my expertise here, which is radical Islam. I've been on the show a number of times to talk about this stuff. If you hadn't guessed, Raheem Kassam is my name, and I'm from a Muslim family. So I know a thing or two about this. But uh, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not my faith now, but I'm one of those people who will stand up and, and talk about it. And when I see that there hasn't been any coverage on CNN since 2015 about the female genital mutilation crisis that is taking place in my country, in the United Kingdom, right now, 5,000 new cases of female genital mutilation in the United Kingdom per year, new cases, that's 14 every day on average. That is one on average every 102 minutes. That means that from the beginning to the end of a soccer match, what you say soccer, I say football, there will have been another reported case of female genital mutilation in the United Kingdom, in a first world leading G8 economy. And you know you're seeing that happen over here too. I'm sure you guys are paying attention to what's happening in Michigan right now. Four people now, I think, arrested for female genital mutilation there. But this is not CNN's concern. This is the same network who, in 2015, Anderson Cooper stood up there and apologized for the use of the phrase no-go zones on air. He said, I'm sorry we had some guests on who used the phrase no-go zones and I should have challenged them on it and I didn't challenge them on it. Despite France, despite what's going on across France in the northern Parisian suburbs, despite What's happening in Sweden? You remember that, right? You remember when President Trump said what was going on in Sweden and the media freaked out and were mocking and deriding him and disparaging him. And then the very next night, a Swedish suburb prone to a riot was on fire, cars on fire, police chased out. And suddenly the media wanted to pivot away, despite areas in the United Kingdom, by the way, where you have an almost totally Muslim population, where non-Muslims just do not go. They just don't want to go. Anybody wants to challenge me on that, I'm perfectly capable of taking you on. You know why? Because I went to these places and I saw them for myself. Something that Anderson Cooper, I'm sure, never bothered to do before he gave his little apology on air. That they will apologize for, though. That is what they'll apologize for. They won't apologize for, for, you know, chasing down a meme maker on the Internet and threatening to dox him, release his private information, his or her, I should say, private information. No, no, that, that doesn't get an apology. But an apology for, for talking about no-go zones, certainly. You know, if you aren't looking for something, if you don't know what you're looking for, you're not going to find it. You know, so when, <laughs> when I went to these no-go zones and you look for the, the underground mosques, you look for the signs of Sharia being implemented in these places, CNN's not looking for these things. They don't want these things. It doesn't suit their narrative, ladies and gentlemen. No-go zones. And that is the topic 
the subject of a book I have just written with Regnery Books that will be available on August the 14th. You can sign up for updates at RahimKassam.com and you can read about what's going on not just in Europe but what's taking place here in the United States too. Alham Tramak, in just outside of Detroit, has the first Muslim-majority city council in the United States. You can read in that book how the demographics are shifting, what it means out on the street, in the real world, how the call to prayer, the Islamic call to prayer, is being blared out from speakers onto the streets of American cities. The niqab, the full face veil, now dominates there in Hamtramck. You see it all over the place. So you can follow me on Twitter at Raheem Kassam, R-A-H-E-E-M-K-A-S-S-A-M on Facebook and at Breitbart.com too. But I don't just want to get right off CNN yet. I want to hear what the President of the United States had to say today when he was asked about CNN in a press conference in Poland. Since you started the whole wrestling video thing, what are your thoughts about what has happened since then? I mean, CNN went after you and has threatened to expose the identity of a person they said was responsible for it. I'd like your thoughts yeah, on that. Yeah, I think what CNN did was uh, unfortunate for them. As you know now, they have some pretty serious problems. Uh, they have been fake news for a long time. They've been covering me in a very, uh, a very dishonest way. Do you have that also, by the way, Mr. President? But CNN and, and others, I mean, I know this, NBC is equally as bad, uh, despite the fact that I made them a fortune with The Apprentice, but they forgot that. But I will say that uh, CNN has really uh, taken it too seriously, and I think they've hurt themselves very badly, very, very badly. And what we want to see in the United States is honest, beautiful, free but honest press. We want to see fair press. I think it's a very important thing. We don't want fake news. And by the way, not everybody is fake news. But we don't want fake news. Bad thing. Very bad for our country. What was Jim Acosta's response to this? Jim Acosta, the White House correspondent for CNN, well, he called that a fake news conference. He insulted the president, your president of the United States, when he was abroad on a diplomatic mission. He's hurling abuse at him. He insulted the Polish hosts of that press conference as if the Poles would put on a fake news conference. You know, Jim Acosta says it's not a surprise that the first question he would take from an American reporter and from the friendly news media, friendly reporter who teed up the CNN question for the president to go off on CNN about fake news made this spectacle feel like a fake news conference. This wasn't an attempt by the president to seek out a question from somebody who was going to challenge him on the issues. The next question he took, by the way, from an American reporter was from NBC. They're not exactly friendly. He's talking about David Martasco from the Daily Mail, who asked this question. Is David Martasco friendly? I think he means not overtly hostile to the office of the president of the United States. That's what Jim Acosta means when he says friendly. You know, the other day, David Martosco wrote an article that says six in ten Americans say they don't trust Trump. Does that sound like a friendly article to you? Does it sound like a friendly journalist? These guys, these Jim Acostas of the world, they think journalism is a byword for petulant resistance. They put Republicans in harm's way with their alarmism and with their rhetoric, and then they complain when somebody posts a meme mocking them on the internet. 
These people have zero credibility left. They laugh and jeer and sneer and smear at you. Not at me. Not just at the President of the United States. At you. Jimmy Carr from CNN, who was caught by James O'Keefe in one of these videos. By the way, also the name of a British comedian. But what Jimmy Carr, CNN said, wasn't funny. He said, they're stupid as S H. You know what? Caught on camera, ladies and gentlemen, this is CNN. 800-941-7326. 800-941-SEAN is the number here. I want to hear from you guys on all those subjects and more. We're going to be right back after this short break. From number one New York Times bestselling author and radio host Mark R. Levin comes an essential new book, Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism, a searing plea for a return to America's most sacred values. Mark R. Levin revisits the founders' warnings about the perils of overreach by the federal government and concludes that the men who created our country would be outraged and disappointed to see where we've ended up. Levin asks, how do we save our exceptional country? Because our values are in such a precarious state, he argues that a restoration to the essential truths on which our country was founded has never been more urgent. And understanding these principles can serve as the antidote to tyrannical regimes and governments. Rediscovering Americanism is not an exercise in nostalgia, but an appeal to his fellow citizens to reverse course for the sake of our children and our children's children. Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism by Mark R. Levin. Available now wherever books are sold. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. 800-941-7326. I'm Raheem Kassam filling in for Sean Hannity. I'm the editor of Breitbart London, but here in Manhattan, I want to go to the phone lines now. Anita is in Connecticut. Anita, good afternoon. Hi. How are you doing there, Anita? Good. I just wanted to let you know that my parents are from Poland, and it broke my heart when one of the first things Obama did was um, tell the Polish people that they were not going to be getting the promised defense missiles. Bush said that they could. Actually, he asked who would be brave enough to take these because they're going to need to defend themselves from Russia. Mm. Poland took them. Obama said no, and thank you very much, President Donald Trump for bringing them back. God bless you. Absolutely, Anita. And I mean, it's 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 also a topic really close to my heart because in the during the campaign last year, I was looking at uh, how President Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton were speaking uh, about Poland, about the new government in Poland, and about a lot of the Polish Americans, a majority, I think, of Polish Americans that actually support the new government in Poland, this, this sort of nationalist, populist, or more nationalist, populist, certainly than the last one government. It's just extraordinary. They were treating them with such utter disdain, uh, Anita. I couldn't understand that. Yeah, I, I got that message loud and clear. I didn't understand that. I wondered, I, I thought, well, maybe it's because Poland, they understand having an enemy on every border. They understand uh, the danger in opening your borders to people who hate you and want to Absolutely. kill you. And Absolutely. maybe that's why they don't appreciate the Polish people. I, and- and I think, you know, you've got to listen to, to one of the words of the former advisor to the Foreign Affairs and uh, Regional Development, the European Parliament, Thomas Poreba, who said that basically the Clintons were just doing Soros's bidding while insulting, uh, uh, you know, the, the Polish who had elected a new government. Anita in Gnesset, that's a great call. Thank you so much for that. And you're absolutely right to point out what the president has done today in Poland. Magnificent stuff. We're going to be right back. 
after this break. We know you never want to miss the Sean Hannity Show. And now you never have to. Just sign up for Hannity Headlines. A bite-sized version of the show that you can take with you on your laptop, your mobile phone, everywhere you go. Even to your liberal in-laws place in Vermont. So, um... Yeah. And after a few hours of that, you'll be glad you brought Sean along. To sign up today for Hannity Headlines, go to Hannity.com. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show with me, Raheem Kassam, the editor-in-chief of Breitbart London, filling in here today for Sean Hannity. The phone number here is 800-941-7326-800-941. Sean, I want to go now to our very special guest from the White House, the advisor to the president, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, joins us on the line. Uh, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, thank you so much for joining us here this afternoon. Uh, I know you're also the author of the uh, fantastically uh, uh, written and well-selling New York Times bestseller book, Defeating Jihad. Uh, and I was just talking about my my regnery book coming up soon on no-go zones as well. And the reason I raised it, Dr. Gorka, was because of uh, what CNN does and what CNN's been doing in terms of of deflecting the president gave a barnstorming speech in poland this morning so well received and cnn really trying to bury it on their news website right now uh trying to talk about russia on the television in front of me um what do you make of how this is being received in the u.s press look we're, we're used to this and and we really don't care because <laughs> you know as as the president said uh, the lying fake news lost and they're not the president and he is so you know, whether it's his Twitter account, whether it's the fact that he could go to nine different venues in five different states in one day, uh, we've broken the monopoly of politically driven media. And this goes uh, also to the amazing influence of organizations like Fox, like Breitbart, yourself. Uh, this, is, this is a new dawn of um, citizen journalism and communicating directly to the people who make decisions about the future of our country. So, you know, let CNN do what it wants to do. It's become an irrelevance. I mean, if it, were, yeah. if it weren't for mandatory broadcasts at U.S. airports, I think there'd be about 12 people watching it. Uh, Dr. Gorka, I um, I wanted to ask you about the speech today. It seemed incredibly well-crafted. And for those that don't realize, you know, Poland is a very, very traditional and conservative-minded, small-c conservative-minded country. They care a lot about faith. They care a lot about their family. They care a lot about their traditions, their institutions, their architecture, the preservation of what they deem to be Western civilization. And this speech really covered all of those things in great length as well. I think, what did he speak for, 35 minutes? really focusing on those commonalities between uh, conservatism in the United States and in Poland indeed. Um, Just tell us a little bit more uh, what you think the thinking was behind focusing on those things and why the president was in Poland and not, say, in London. Look, having spoken to the uh, two speechwriters involved who crafted the, the core of the text before the president left, uh, the intent was very, very clear. Uh, Poland is an exemplar of Western civilizational values. Those things that the president spoke about today, family, faith, nation, uh, these are the core values of the Polish people that they 
alive, not only under Nazi occupation, but also under communist dictatorship. And, and this is the signal we wanted to send, that you know, the, the, the age of being apologetic for Western civilization is over. We have American leadership in the House, in the White House once more, and as a result, we're going to stand shoulder to shoulder with our friends who reaffirm those values, and that includes the Polish people and the current Polish leadership. What does it say about this uh, administration compared to the last one um, that, that there is this focus now, seems to be at least uh, an acceptance of and a, a, a you know, gratitude towards um, NATO member states like Poland who have been paying their fair share versus what President Obama did really, which was pull the rug out under them with the missile defense first and really focusing on, on Western Europe and Germany and France as his allies there. What, what is the administration thinking in this regard? Very, very simply the following. Uh, we had eight years in which we had a political administration that had a very, very destructive message. And that message was that America is the problem. That's why we had the apology tour from President Obama. Uh, we are writing the ship of state and re- reasserting uh, civilizational confidence with our our fellow members in the West. So we're not apologizing for who we are. In fact, we are celebrating who we are and, and what we represent and the values that made the West what it is today. So that's what the speech is about, and that's why it had such an incredible uh, response, uh, an echo from the people in Poland, because that's the spirit that kept Poland alive during the 20th century's most darkest, darkest moment. Yeah, that's absolutely right. We're speaking with Dr. Sebastian Gorka, Deputy Assistant to President Donald Trump from the White House at the moment. Uh, Dr. Gorka, I want to pivot now um, to the G20, which is obviously beginning now, um, the president in uh, in Hamburg for that. Uh, and there are, of course, the, uh, the usual protests and usual demonstrations from the anti-globalization activists. But some people are actually saying there aren't as many uh, anti-globalization uh, protesters there today. Do you think that's because there's an anti-globalization president in the White House? <laughs> I think you know, there's a very interesting um, trend that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. And I think that, that the, um, the people who lived in that utopian la-la land may be losing steam. I think it's also fascinating that last week, after the Supreme Court decision here in America, uh, recognized the president's authority to reinstate the travel moratorium. We didn't see those screaming, pink hat-wearing protesters at airports all across America. There was a desultory uh, appearance of some individuals, I think, at JFK. But I think, you know, there is a final realization that the American people have spoken and that this anti-globalization or, or, or the pro-globalization movement, let's put it like that, has finally been challenged by the people's voice in many places, whether it was expressed in Brexit or whether it was expressed on November the 8th last year. So maybe uh, maybe some people are coming to their senses, right? 
I think you're absolutely right. Dr. Gorka, what do we expect this week? We know Angela Merkel wants to talk about terrorism. We know she wants to talk about climate change and, and not talk about mass migration. And perhaps, uh, you know, that's a, an interesting uh, topic, given that the president went to Poland, a country that has been very resistant. Uh, there was a poll out this week from uh, from within Poland that showed that actually more Poles would rather leave the European Union than take more Muslim migrants uh, Angela Merkel also wants to talk about protectionism, which might be a slight dig at President Trump's America First narrative. How do you think these meetings are going to go? And then how do you think the meeting with Vladimir Putin is going to go? <laughs> well, look, I, I think, you know, um, the message that the president is bringing to Europe is that it's not, you know, America First does not mean America alone. And whether you're Poland or whether you're Germany, if you wish to be our friend, if you wish to collaborate with us, then we welcome you with open arms. But we are doing so uh, in a way that kind of reasserts uh, the position and the importance of the nation state. We're not interested. The president has said, I'm not the president of the world. I'm the president of America. If you want to work with us, that's fine. And and the same goes with regards to to Russia, as uh, Secretary Tillerson has said. America and Russia are the most powerful nuclear nations in the world today. As such, we should have better relations. We would like to have better relations. But the president is a pragmatist. Uh, At the moment, the likelihood of better relations doesn't look too... how shall I say? The, the odds do not seem to be in, in favor of a significant improvement, but we would like to see an improvement because there are some common issues, such as global jihadism, such as the, the, the bloodshed in Syria. So you know, we would like to collaborate if possible, but the ball is very much in the Kremlin's court today. Dr. Sebastian Gorka, just uh, just before we let you go, is there anything else we should be watching out for, do you think, over the next few days, um, uh, this foreign trip? Is there anything that you can give us an insight into that we, sh- we, we may not pick up on naturally? Well, look, I, I'm not going to steal the, the, the president's thunder, but I think what, what needs to be understood is the amount of work that the team here at the White House have put into the statements that the president is going to make. And as such... You know, you don't have to read between the lines. When the president said what he said today in Poland, when he makes his announcements that he's going to make in Germany and elsewhere, uh, you really can take those to the bank. So when when it's about the future of America and Europe together, NATO, U.S.-Russia relations, please judge the president's statements on faith value, because this is a man who means what he says and he does what he means. Dr. Sebastian Gorka, Deputy Assistant to President Donald Trump, thank you so much for joining us here on the Sean Hannity Show. Thank you, Raheem. Anytime. Have a great day. Uh, 800-941-7326. 800-941-SEAN is the number I want to hear from you guys out there. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Raheem Kassam, sitting in for Sean Hannity. I'm the editor-in-chief of Breitbart London. If you didn't know that Breitbart had a London bureau, well, now you do. You can check it out at breitbart.com forward slash London. I've been getting loads of your tweets 
been checking them out over the course of the break. You're all being so very kind. Well, most of you are being very kind, but uh, I'm an optimistic kind of guy, so uh, I won't focus on the focus on the nasty leftist tweeting at me. That's not very nice at all, is it? But that's what they've been reduced to lately, isn't it? Just just trying to dig away, dig away at this president, dig away at people like you and me, the ordinary folks out there who just want the best for Western civilization. And that's what we saw today, at least in my opinion. That's what we saw the president stand up for today in Warsaw, a 35-minute long speech about how Western civilization, Western culture, traditions had to be upheld. He was talking and he said, Americans, Poles, and the nations of Europe value individual freedom and sovereignty. We must work together to confront forces, whether they come from inside or out, from the south or the east, that threaten over time to undermine these values and to erase the bonds of culture, faith, and tradition that make us who we are. An extraordinary, rapturous applause he got, the Polish people shouting, his name over and over again it was it was like scenes from the campaign trail 800-941-7326 800-941-SEAN is the number here i want to come back to you guys on the phone lines let's go to mark in redding california mark good afternoon nice to, uh, nice to speak with you i uh, was calling because i actually saw cnn in the process of creating fake news number of years ago. I was in Washington, D.C. in May of 2001 during the uh, so-called much-heralded Million Mom March Against Handguns. Mm. Uh, on the way to the airport leaving town, we saw the plaza, which was the hub for this uh, campaign, this march, and there were about 70 people there. I think there was more media covering it than there were actual protesters, but we got on the plane, went to Dallas-Fort Worth for a connecting flight, and CNN, of course, is playing throughout the concourse. And here we see the story about the Million Mom March against handguns. And they keep repeating the phrase, Million Mom March. And they show this tight, close-up shot, obviously staged with the full consent of the protesters, where they jammed all these people close together so it appeared to be standing room only. They never pulled back for the larger establishing shot to show how few people there really were there. And, of course, they kept saying over and over again, Million Mom March. But it showed, obviously that they were willing to fabricate the news and slant the story so that it appeared that there were more people there than there actually were. Hey, Mark, did you see this video that came out of London after the, um, after the London attack, after that uh, London Bridge terror attack, and the CNN uh, correspondent is standing there, like, moving these uh, Muslim women into place and giving them placards and saying, right, you stand there just behind me and we'll shoot over my shoulder so it looks like, you know, you guys are protesting against terrorism no i did not see that but i am not surprised it's absolutely extraordinary i found an old tweet from andrew breitbart the other day as well that just said cnn is evil from 2009 and i just thought wow i mean he's no longer with us but wasn't that man prescient truly and you uh you witnessed the same thing yourself mark in california thank you so much for the great call here this afternoon let's go to Rhonda in wyoming Rhonda, good afternoon good afternoon how are you i'm very well how are you Rhonda? I'm doing good. good. I have a question, kind of slash statement. Um, my question is, you know, the press, uh, CNN and, and the others that are producing all of this hatred and fake news. And I'm wondering why, because 
at the White House. It's a privilege to be there in the press room. It's not a right. Mm. And why can we not stand up and say, okay, look, enough is enough. Either you're going to report honestly, you're going to report correctly, and, and we're going to quit this bantering back and forth nonsense, or you're going to just lose your credentials and you're not going to be welcome here because we're not taking away your First Amendment right, you know, to speech and all this other stuff. They think they have all these rights, you too. Know, do you know what, Rhonda? But you are limiting, um, you know, you're, you're saying this is the White House. Do you know what, Rhonda? I, I, tend to, I tend to agree that that's how we initially feel, but putting Jim Acosta there with his silly, sad face every day and watching, letting the public watch this person have a public tantrum every day, I think actually undercuts CNN more than removing their credentials could ever do. 800-941-7326. 800-941-SEAN. Thank you so much, Rhonda, for that wonderful call. We're going to be right back here on The Sean Hannity Show after this break. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Raheem Kassam, the Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart London. Sitting in for Sean Hannity today in Midtown Manhattan, a glorious respite from the swampy heat of Washington, D.C., where I am most of the time. A little bit chilly here even in Midtown Manhattan without a, without a coat on. But, uh, you know, I've come up, come up from D.C. and not prepared, typical me. But now I'm an Englishman in New York. So, you know, maybe maybe we should play that. Um, this hour, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to in- introduce you to a story that has particularly moved me. Um, and uh, uh, just one of the most heinous examples of bureaucracy and, and socialized healthcare running roughshod over and not contemplating the individual and prioritizing life for life's sake for the sake of life itself i'm quoting for the from the chicago tribune here 11 month old charlie guard is desperately ill with a rare genetic disorder he can't breathe or move on his own he's blind and deaf he suffers from epileptic seizures doctors in london say his illness can't be effectively treated and that he'll likely die soon after life support is withdrawn but charlie's parents Connie Yates and Chris Gard are fighting to bring their son to the United States for an experimental treatment. They've raised, I think, now over $1.8 or $1.9 million on a crowdfunding website to do just that. But Charlie's doctors and the British courts and the European Court of Human Rights will not let him go. Medical authorities are arguing that prolonging his life by keeping him on a ventilator could cause pain. The British authorities at this point in time won't even allow Charlie's parents to take Charlie home. We've got a friend of the family, the friend of Connie Yates and Chris Gard. Her name is Maria Tatalovich. She's joining us now on the show. And just so that you guys know, uh, the the family hasn't done a lot of press in recent weeks, really have been focused on Charlie himself. So we're very grateful, Maria, that you've taken the time out to join us today. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, Maria, I just want to start with the obvious question here that people will be wondering if they haven't come across this story yet. Remember, we're all across the United States and, and perhaps there are some areas where this hasn't uh, penetrated through yet. Just walk us through um, who is Charlie Gard? What is the current situation? Was, was Has anything that I read there from the Chicago Tribune changed in recent days? And why won't the hospital in London let him go? 
Right. Uh, to begin with, uh, Charlie is um, he. He's, a t- he's now 11 months old. He was 11 months on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Um, he is lying in, uh, in Great Ormond Street Hospital, and he is only attached to a, um, a, a breathing tube, which only pumps air into his lungs. He's not on oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also only fed through a tube, uh, but he's not in an incubator. He's lying in a bed. Um, we all have access to him. We are all stroking his head, we hold his hands, we massage him, we move him around, we change his position. He, what, what I would like to say is not exactly correct from the newspaper coverage mm. is that he does not open his eyes. He has opened his eyes on pretty much every occasion that I've been there, and I've mm. been visiting him on a daily basis for the last two months. Um, and also the statement um, that he is in pain mm. uh, and that he has been in pain uh, I wanted to clarify on two uh, levels, sure. two points on that. Uh, firstly, um, from the beginning and up until the Supreme Court hearing and analysis and decision, uh, it was not even it was not stated for sure that he, whether he was in pain or not. Mm. Uh, the Supreme Court themselves said we do not know if he is in pain or not. Um, the QC, the barrister acting for the hospital, also did not say that without a doubt he is in pain. Mm. Uh, from my experience and my witnessing of this baby on a daily basis, I'm a mother of two children, so I, I can speak from experience when a baby is experiencing pain. Charlie is not in pain. He has not been on painkillers uh, for the majority of the time during the course of the, of the hearings from the High Court through to the Court of Appeal and the Supreme Court. And he he's extremely stable. That is the most mm. shocking thing. He's alive. He's growing. He's developing. His hair is growing. His nails are growing. He's warm. He's completely stable. He hasn't had a single infection. He hasn't been on antibiotics. Wow. And to now proactively want to terminate a life, which the hospital actually has a choice whether they will do that or not, because the order, sorry, I'm, I'm moving on to this, but just mm-hmm. to be clear, the order does not oblige the hospital to do anything. They right. have a choice. Maria, I'm that so that glad that, that you've clarified those points because the, the reason we specifically chose that from the Chicago Tribune is because that is broadly the same coverage that you've seen all across the media. It's where we've seen it in the uh, Associated Press, where you've seen it in the Times, in the Mail, um, all across the United States too. And you, you're correct in pointing out, and I knew this before because I've spoken to some uh, friends of the family as well, that there are things in there that are just fundamentally not true. Why do you think that the, the truth isn't getting out there? Why are these lies being perpetrated about a young child who, whose parents only really want him to give him a fighting chance of living? Well, I think, um, uh, uh, as you must be aware, um, the, the, um, many times there is a reference to uh, um, uh, limitations on um, on the information that can be provided and mm. certain restrictions imposed by the courts. So there is a reporting restrictions order in place, mm. which is the reason why uh, a lot of the um, um, detailed information cannot be discussed in the or or spread or disseminated into the public domain. Right. Um, also, it's I have been present in meetings internally with Connie, uh, where she has been, for lack of a better word, ambushed. Um, That's Charlie's to meet mother. With yeah. very yes, exactly, Charlie's mom. 
uh, very high, well, the CEO of the hospital and other very senior personnel, and uh, without any preparation, without any advance notice at random times during the day, where they are absolutely not flexible and absolutely not willing to work with the family and listen to their wishes and looking to impose uh, their decisions on this family and how in the past care or lack of care and now how his end of life slash palliative regime will be um, will be carried out. A lot of people, Maria... yeah. Sorry, sorry, just to interrupt there, a lot of people, just to build on what you were saying, a lot of people over, especially in the United States, will be looking at mm-hmm. this as, as, a, as a functioning bureaucracy going, going out of control, deciding who lives and who dies like this. We've seen it with the Liverpool Care Pathway in the United Kingdom before um, in the National yes. Health Service. And, and actually, um, a lot of people over here and in the United Kingdom were, were very disparaging to, towards a politician called Sarah Palin over here when she referred mm-hmm. to something called death panels. But effectively... When you have a committee of people deciding who lives or dies, that is a death panel. And while I'm not trying to sensationalize this at all, I think we have to be really, really on, you know, keep our feet on the ground with this. My question to you is, why is the CEO of the hospital trying to keep Charlie there when his parents, his legal guardians, want to take him for some level of special treatment? And people out of the goodness of their hearts have given millions of dollars to let mm-hmm. this happen. Why? Why is the CEO doing this? Uh, it's a great question. And uh, just two points on that. Firstly, uh, Charlie, baby Charlie, could not ask for better parents in, in Connie and Chris. They have only ever fought, given up their lives to fight to save their baby for the last 10 months, uh, going on to 11 months. And secondly, as you rightly asked, why is the CEO and why is everybody saying that this has to happen? Well, one example of this uh, this um, bureaucratic uh, aspect of the of, of of the situation taking over is I personally was present in the Supreme Court hearing where one of the justices said that as parents we would do the same, but as judges we have to take certain other information into consideration, which is absolutely absurd. And we are talking about the best interests of a, of a baby, and we're talking about terminating a life by people who do not know the baby, who do not know his situation, mm. and, and making these decisions, who, 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 and, and they don't care, and their lives will not be changed forever, and they don't have his best interest at heart, and, and they themselves have not gone through the trouble of raising the money and reached out to the public to, to spread information about their baby and about his need to be released by a hospital that is actually holding him prisoner. It's interesting, isn't it? Without judicial not, backing. You know, the, the, not the, in the order. Con- Connie and, um, and Mark, they're not looking for state handouts here. They're not no, looking not for the, to the... To, they're not saying to the President of the United States, you know, we, we need your help and we expect you to pay for it. They've raised the money from people voluntarily giving cash over to save the life of this child. And and you can just you can see how how these these bureaucrats are just turning yeah. their backs on on the human element of this you know what what could end up being a very very serious tragedy here if something isn't done. I mean the British government siding looking like they're siding with the hospital and the CEO on this decision at the moment. What do you say? I mean, g- given the fact that I'm pretty certain I'm just guest hosting the Sean Hannity show today, but I'm pretty certain some mm-hmm. very influential people listen to this show and what you're saying will reach the ears of people who can make a real difference maria what would you say to you 
U.S. policymakers, the U.S. public to put pressure on to help Charlie Gard survive? Well, what I would say is fundamentally uh, it comes to choice, and it comes to a choice made by parents who genuinely have baby Charlie's best interests at heart. And it's not a choice where we are looking to force uh, doctors to treat, where we're looking to dissipate public funds on his treatment as futile as they think that it may be. It is simply a choice and, 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 uh, and um, a response to our request to release the baby so that he may be taken under the care, paid for privately by the parents under the care of the, of the preeminent doctor that is treating and is willing to treat Charlie for this disease so that we can see results because there's a real chance for him to respond to this treatment. And any policymaker that is listening or that has a power to, to help, please help us in getting Charlie Gard released from this hospital. This cannot be happening on our watch in the United Kingdom, in England, in London, uh, in an enlightened country and society where we are told we have choice, we have basic human rights, the right to life, the right to privacy, the right to family life, and the right to liberty. And that is all being contravened and breached in this case, in this situation. Uh, Maria, just before I let you go, is it right in saying that uh, charliesfight.org is the right website? Uh, yes, charliesfight.org. And um, even more up to date is Connie Yates' Facebook page mm -hmm. or um, another Facebook page is Charlie's Fight. Uh, it's a public page, but um, uh, people who join need to be uh, joiners need to be approved because there was quite a few um, trolls. Yeah, quite an <laughs> onslaught of <laughs> requests. Yeah, we, 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 there can be there can be a lot that comes in on these things like that. But it's just yeah. so amazing that what you guys are doing, and I really sincerely wish you the best. You know, I'm fully on your side, Maria Tasalovich, there, a close friend Thank of so actually much. Charlie Guards and and the family been in the hospital with Charlie almost every day, if not every day, uh, for the last few months, Maria, there. I'm going to take a break now. When we come back, Ben Harris-Quinney is the chairman of the oldest conservative think tank in the United Kingdom, and I want to get his views on why bureaucracy is out of control in the United Kingdom in our socialized healthcare service. We'll be right back on The Sean Hannity Show after this break. Hannity Headline, a bite-sized version of the show that you can take with you anywhere you go. To sign up today for Hannity Headlines, go to Hannity.com. Welcome back. It's Raheem Kassam here, the editor-in-chief of Breitbart London for the Sean Hannity Show. Sitting in here, Midtown Manhattan for Sean Hannity today. The phone number is 800-941-7326, 800-941-SEAN. I've got Benjamin Harris-Quinney on the line. He's the chairman of the Bow Group, Britain's oldest small-c conservative think tank. Ben, thank you for joining us here on the Sean Hannity Show. Afternoon, Raheem. Um, ben, just want to pick back up on this Charlie Guard story. We heard that emotional tale from uh, Maria, a close friend of the family, about Charlie Guard, about Charlie's parents. Charlie'sFight.org is the website if you guys want to go and help out and tweet and Facebook and so on and so forth. Ben, how can a situation like this be playing out in a modern country, in the United Kingdom, in the 21st century? Well, it's, it's very hard to hear um, the story we've just heard. Um, a lot of people haven't picked up on this, but actually just last year there was a case um, involving um, a little lad called Aisha King. Um, he was uh, suffering from a very severe form of, uh, of cancer. His parents took him out of an NHS hospital 
uh, to the uh, Czech, uh, Czech Republic to have treatment. Um, the treatment was successful, but they were arrested for removing him for NHS care. Wow. Um, he is now alive and well because of the actions they took. But had they followed the NHS advice and had they followed, unfortunately, the law um, in the United Kingdom, there's a very good chance that their son would now be dead. And uh, it's, it's very depressing that we are now facing um, a very similar case with, with Charlie Gard. I, I want to thank uh, the President of the United States for his intervention because it has been very important in bringing publicity to this case. Um, and having people in the United Kingdom really focus on it. Questions have been asked in Parliament. Um, the government of the United Kingdom is under pressure, and I can assure uh, your, your listeners that we are doing as much as we can um, in, in the United Kingdom to keep pressure on the government to ben, ben, um, allow... We've, we've, got to, uh, to have we've, we've got to leave it there, Ben, but I'm really grateful for you joining us here. That's Ben Harris-Quinney. He's chairman of the Bow Group, bowgroup.org, the oldest conservative think tank in the United Kingdom. This story is relevant, ladies and gentlemen, because if the Democrats had their way, you would have socialised single-payer health care like the National Health Service. That's why we had to bring you this story in addition to it being just such an emotional and important thing that Charlie gets to live. The media went wild for this story this week that the Canadian baby without gender was born, but they're not going wild for Charlie's fight. Why is that? We'll be right back after this break. We know you never want to miss the Sean Hannity Show. And now you never have to. Just sign up for Hannity Headlines, a bite-sized version of the show that you can take with you on your laptop, your mobile phone, everywhere you go, even to your liberal in-laws place in Vermont. So, um... Yeah. And after a few hours of that, you'll be glad you brought Sean along. To sign up today for Hannity Headlines, go to Hannity.com. Your oppressors tried to break you, but Poland could not be broken. And when the day came on June 2nd, 1979... And one million Poles gathered around Victory Square for their very first mass with their Polish Pope. That day, every communist in Warsaw must have known that their oppressive system would soon come crashing down. They must have known it at the exact moment during Pope John Paul II's sermon when a million Polish men, women, and children suddenly raised their voices in a single prayer. A million Polish people did not ask for wealth. They did not ask for privilege. Instead, one million Poles sang three simple words. We want God. In those words, the Polish people recalled the promise of a better future. They found new courage to face down their oppressors. And they found the words to declare that Poland would be Poland once again. As I stand here today before this incredible crowd, this faithful nation, we can still hear those voices that echo through history. 
Their message is as true today as ever. The people of Poland, the people of America, and the people of Europe still cry out, we want God. Welcome back. That was your president, President Trump, there speaking in Warsaw this morning. I'm Raheem Kassam, the editor-in-chief of Breitbart London, covering for Sean Hannity here on the Sean Hannity Show. I've got a guest in studio with me. Matthew Turman is a Polish-American journalist, a Breitbart contributor, and, uh, and a man who is suing a paper supported by George Soros in Poland. Matthew, thank you for joining us here in this studio in Manhattan. Ah, thanks for having me, Raheem. Uh, Matt, so first things first, uh, you are a, an expert in, in all things Polish, most things Polish. Is that, I, is... I go there a lot and I try and help where I can. Yeah, you, you, you're a helpful guy. We know that. Um, Matthew, what, how, what do you think about this speech this morning? Well, just listening to that clip as we uh, came back on air, I got goosebumps. I no, mean, come on. Oh, <laughs> I was I was up at four thirty this morning <laughs> watching the uh, the Andrzej Duda, President Trump uh, presser. And, you know, the polls are over the moon. They're they're thrilled with how his visit went down in in totality. Uh, everything from the three C's initiative while they were there uh, meeting about a energy trade block they're developing mm-hmm. to the speech in uh, Platz Kraszynski, which is where the uprising monument is. Mm-hmm. And that was a very painful moment in Polish history when Poles, as Trump alluded to, uh, they fought during uh, during during the war against immeasurable odds and they suffered there was huge amounts of deaths and they kept fighting as president trump talked deeply about today look i mean the reason i picked that that clip and you say it gives you goosebumps i, I wasn't quite there but yes it's, it's, it's just an incredibly moving part of the speech that he gave this morning an incredibly pertinent part of the speech he gave this morning and and just gives a a a bit of insight into how well this white house knows the audience it's playing to the way the speech was written, the way the speech was presented, the way this has all been played out, the way this is all coming across in Europe, the polls there chanting Donald Trump, Donald Trump. I mean, it's, it's, it's a stark contrast from, from here in Midtown Manhattan, for instance, or, or there on CNN on the television in front of me, isn't it? I mean, here you have a president that is clearly popular with the Polish people. And Polish Americans voted for him in vast, vast numbers. Yes, they did. Democrats. Democrat Union Rust Belt voters, I think, helped swing the swing states. Why, then, do you have today the Jim Acostas of the world and the CNNs of the world using the fact that the president is abroad to attack him? Well, you and I have talked about this in depth, that there's... Uh, okay, but we have an audience th- now. Uh, certainly. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a division. It's, it's globalists versus populists, populists being the will of the people. And the globalists are uh, very, very centered in the media and academic and uh, political, certainly in the leftist political elite. And the media, they still don't understand what's gone on in Poland, how Brexit, this referendum... Uh, this mandate was delivered by the people by mm. referendum. And in the U.S., the Trump election, they still don't get it. And Trump saw Poland uh, and what's happened there in Central Europe. And he made a conscious decision to go there ahead of London, to go there ahead of Paris, uh, Berlin, 
Uh, you know, he was in Europe twice, but not on state visits. He was there for the NATO summit in Brussels, and he was there in Rome uh, on his triumvirate uh, visit to holy sites. This was the first state visit that he made, and it was to Warsaw, Poland, Central, Eastern Europe. That is unprecedented, mm. and it sends a strong symbolic message. Uh, Dr. Gorka, Sebastian Gorka, touched upon it as mm. well. These populist, nationalist, conservative movements, which are a rejection and a rebuke against global, globalist centralization of power, where the power structures are led by a technocratic elite that don't have the, the popular will of the people's best interests at heart. Mm. The people finally get it after, especially the last 10 years after the coming back from the global financial crisis, they, they smelled that something was wrong and this is their answer, their rebuke. So Poland team, was a harbinger. Absolutely. My team at Breitbart London uh, have been, again, you were up at 4.30, they obviously had the benefit of the time difference, but have been covering this all day. And one of the things that they've picked out is that President Trump was sitting in front of a portrait of King Jan III. Jan Sobieski. That's what, yeah. That's the one. Known for his pivotal role Yep. At the Battle of Vienna. The Siege of Vienna in uh, the 17th century. Uh, I think it was September 11th as well, uh, the historical date exactly, where Jan III Sobieski, Polish king, marshaled Polish forces to reject the Ottoman Turkish Muslim hordes. If they would have broke through Vienna, they would have had entree into all of continental Europe, and it would have looked much like uh, Andalusia did under the Moorish Empire. And you, of course, had President Trump today saying that we we are going to tackle radical Islamic terrorism. I just thought it was brilliant. It was a brilliant pickup by my deputy at Breitbart London, Oliver Lane, who's written this story. You can see it at Breitbart.com forward slash London. It's headlined, Coincidence? Question mark. Polish government seats Trump besides painting of Polish king famed for routing Islam from Europe. I want to take a call uh, if we can. I want to go to Brian, who is in Texas. Brian, good afternoon. Good afternoon, guys. How are you doing there, Brian? What have you got for us today? Well, I'm doing great. First of all, um, I'm not a liberal because I disagree with you. Not at all. (laughs) You're allowed to disagree, Brian. Go right ahead. Yeah. So when did Poland become a welfare state of the United States that we need to provide them with a missile defense system? Okay, so what you're referring to is the point I made earlier about Barack Obama uh, effectively snubbing polls during in 2009 with this uh, revoking of a long-planned missile defense system. Brian, the reason I wanted to bring you on now, and I appreciate you've been holding, is because uh, I think Matthew uh, Tierman, who I have in studio, is far better equipped at answering this question, so I'm going to throw it to Matthew. Sure, uh, and it's a valid point. Uh, but there, there are sort of two key answers to this. One is that right now Poland is purchasing a missile defense system, the Patriot missile defense system, which is produced by Raytheon. Uh, and America is certainly uh, enabling this purchase, this, uh, this engagement in trade. Uh, but in 2009, when they yanked the missile defense, this missile defense that was extended to them, to the Polish, and not just Poland, but Central and Eastern Europe, Czech Republic was going to have a uh, radar facility that would uh, see incoming missiles coming from the east, ostensibly Russia. This was a reaction to protect the NATO peripheral border because in 2008, Russia invaded Georgia. And it was Poland under President Lech Kaczynski, who tragically died in the plane crash in Smolensk okay, in 2010. Okay, man. Look, you've, had, you've had your time. This is my call. And you're, you, know, you can say that Russia invaded Georgia. Russia would say that Georgia asked them to come in there and help out. That's so you can go back and forth fallacious. on that opinion all you want to. But my point is this. You know, you've sat there today. The host has sat there today. Rahim has sat there and talked about how Trump is not a globalist. And yet here we are spreading military arms to the Saudis all over Europe. Um, We're talking about westernization. Mm. 
I'm concerned about the United States of America. Mm. Do you mm. believe in free trade? People that voted for wait, Trump wait, wait, are wait, concerned about the U.S. Brian, I think it, Brian, I think it's a valid point that you raise. I think that, but there is a difference between projection because it helps the United States and and gratuitous spreading of democracy through boots on the ground in Iraq. I'm with you, Brian, by the way. I did not like what this president did in Saudi Arabia. I don't like what my British government does with the Saudi Arabians either. We saw a report come out this week that to shield the Saudi government from criticism, the British government withheld a report about extremism and Saudi funding extremism all across the world. So I'm with you on that point. But you also have to appreciate that there is, uh, and while, believe me, I am no globalist, I am no fan of these overwhelming institutions that want to suck and leech sovereignty away from the United States, from the United Kingdom. I was a big uh, advocate of Brexit because I don't like what the European Union is doing. I actually started the, I, I, I coined the phrase, you sexit, because uh, the United uh, States, I believe, should leave the United Nations. Uh, and we need to talk about that too. Uh, so, Brian, I'm with you. What I would say, however, is if Poland wants to purchase the missile defense system from the United States or from a U.S. company, then I don't believe that we should be standing here and going, well, we can't be promoting this in Europe, in Eastern Europe, because that's just, you know, you have to trade. You have to have, you know, you have to understand that these countries together, they have to actually work together. It's not we don't exist in total isolation. We want to exist as sovereign nation states. Engage in bilateral trade, and you need geopolitical stability so that trade can occur. When that stability leaves, then trade suffers, GDP goes down. I don't know enough about the Georgia thing to come back on that point. I'll let uh, let, uh, Brian, having had his say there, uh, have the last say on that one. But uh, I certainly don't think the Georgians invited the Russians in. No. Um, although I have to say that I am one of those mega, mega frothing-at-the-mouth conspiracy theorists about the whole Ukraine situation, Matthew. And there are people listening to this right now going, aha, we got him. But I was there in Kiev. I was there during the Medan protests. You know, I saw the EU flags being handed out by the EU operatives uh, in their fancy tents in there as if this was just some sort of grassroots uprising. You know, things things don't have to be the same whenever we talk about, you know, similar issues. Well, it's not that Georgia is not Ukraine. Absolutely not. You know? But if you talk to people in Ukraine who are from uh, Eastern Ukraine and Donetsk and Kharkiv, mm. and they see little green men coming mm. into their mm. cities. Mm. That is not a free invitation, as Brian might have suggested. <laughs> um, Matthew, I just want to get back to what happened in uh, Warsaw with you this morning. What do you think the takeaways are now from this? Because ov- obviously, uh, you know, the British government is not happy. No, uh, there are governments all across Europe that are not happy, uh, all across the world, even. Uh, well, that- London's usually the first visit, mm. and you know, my own take, and you might actually, I think, agree with me for once. Trump would have gone to London first, but I think he saw that the populist mandate delivered with the Brexit referendum has Mm. been watered down. And so instead of aligning with sort of pseudo-conservatives, what we would call our squish uh, Republicans, uh, as you and I have discussed, the Tories don't represent the the hardest line conservative values, uh, I think he saw that to really find the right alignment of this nation-state sovereignty value system where it's engaged on the ground, Poland was the place to go. I think you're absolutely right. Theresa May has made a botched job of Brexit, and of course, uh, we are keeping a close eye on that on Breitbart London. I want to hear from you guys, 800-941-7326, 800-941-SEAN. This is the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Raheem Kassam. We'll be right back after this short break. (laughs) 
Welcome back. It's the Sean Hannity Show with me, Raheem Kassam, sitting in for Sean Hannity today. I'm the editor-in-chief of Breitbart London. I have Matthew Tierman, who is a Polish-American journalist, in studio with me. Now, I wanted to get Matthew to talk about something really interesting that he's doing. A lot of people, a lot of us, jump up and down and stomp up and down and cry and whinge and comment about George Soros and this nefarious globalist uh, cabal that is uh, really perverting nation-state democracy. But somebody's actually doing something about it. Matthew Tierman is doing something about it. Matthew, what are you doing? Well, as you say, I decided to uh, go after the nefarious globalist cabal uh, in, uh, uh, with a little bit of a proxy. There's a Polish newspaper, Gazette of Aborcia. Mm. They are uh, Eurocentric leftists, and they were very in support of the last government that got turfed out for corruption, mm. and the last government was bailing them out. Uh, keeping them alive with financial infusions. Well, there's been a turnover in power, uh, new government. So George Soros's MDIF, Media Development Investment Fund, a philanthropic investment entity that goes and puts money into places where free press is under assault, ostensibly. Well, they wrote a hit piece about me, so I decided to take him to court for defamation. And uh, we had the first round of the case in Warsaw a couple weeks ago. James O'Keefe came from New York to testify because they uh, they went after him a little bit as well. We had done an investigation into a Soros-funded agitprop protest movement on the streets of Poland in mm. protest of the current government. So this has uh, been playing out. We've been covering it in Breitbart. So mm-hmm. I encourage uh, all listeners to go to Breitbart and type in... Uh, Poland, Soros, and you'll find a lot of articles. I would uh, say Gazette of Aborcia, but I don't think American listeners are going to be able to spell that. <laughs> I can't even spell that, quite frankly. I'm not sure half half of Polish people can either. Matthew Tierman, thank you for joining us here in studio and walking us through that. We wish you the very best of luck, not least because you're suing, but you're going to give the proceeds to charity. Conservative That's charities. Conservative it charities. It will hurt them to write those checks. See, what a great guy. 800-941-7326. 800-941-SEAN is the number here. We're going to go to a quick break now when we come back more of your calls here on the sean hannity show stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload Welcome back. It's the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Raheem Kassam, the editor-in-chief of Breitbart London, filling in for Sean Hannity today. 800-941-7326 is the number, 800-941-SEAN. If you've listened to me on the Breitbart News Daily or Saturday or Sunday shows, uh, which is on uh, Sirius XM Patriot 125, you'll know how much I love the calls. So get on the line, stay on the lines. We'll get to you very, very shortly. I promise you, if you've listened to me before, you'll also know how much I I love my beer. And when we get to the third part of the show, we do a three-hour show for Breitbart as well. When we get to the third part of the show, I start to get nervous and twitchy, just looking forward to my next pint. And that's how I'm feeling right now. Very excited about it. I've got Ned Ryan, who is fully acquainted with my English drinking habits on the line. Uh, He is the founder and CEO of American Majority and Voter Gravity. American Majority does fantastic conservative training up and down. Down the United States. Ned, thanks for joining us here on the Sean Hannity Show. Yeah, no, absolutely, Raheem. And, uh, you know, glad to be here to help get you to this last hour and then, you know, get you to the finish line. So you, can you always drive your, me uh, to drinking, Ned. <laughs> Ned, you drive me to drink. You don't help, like, ameliorate <laughs> that feeling. Um, uh, you know, 
we, we, we have way too much fun. We have way too much fun. Right? We do have too much fun. We've been having a lot of fun this week with CNN, haven't we? A lot of people have been oh. having a lot of fun with CNN this week. This is specifically what I wanted to get you on about, Ned, because we can't let these guys off the hook. I, we've got to ram this down their throats. Not literally, by the way, if you're listening out there and you're some liberal reporter who wants to write a nasty headline about the Breitbart guy that guest hosted Jordan Adity show, not literally ram it down their throats. We have to hold them to account. They have been caught time and time and time again, Ned. Have they not? Fake news, everything, everything. They've run the gamut of immorality. What's going on? How do we fix this? And being unethical, well, you guys are doing great work, and I'm going to be hopefully posting a piece at Breitbart.com later tonight yeah, we'll on see. CNN. <laughs> and I told them the, the, the Corleone News Network. Absolutely. I mean, this whole recent incident with this, this, this person that posted this meme of Trump and the wrestling, and you know, they, they've hunted him down and basically made him an offer he can't refuse, mm. either do what we want or we're going to expose you. And it's like, oh, so, so you're acting as though you're the thought police now. And what they've done, Raheem, I think the thing that's been interesting to see is a couple things. They've put the memes against them on steroids. They've literally launched a thousand memes against them. So instead of, you know, silencing the attacks on CNN, they've put it on steroids, which I think is great. But just just for those that aren't those that aren't perhaps Twitter savvy. Um, and, and there are a lot of people out there who either make the choice not to waste their time because it can be a bit of an echo chamber for the liberal left or it can just be, you know, you can just descend into, into insults and 140 characters worth of nothingness. Um, for those that aren't Twitter savvy or, or don't care to do it, Ned, just walk us through what exactly happened. What is this meme? You know, what is a meme? And, and, how, and how are people fighting back? Like, give us some examples of what people are throwing back at CNN right now. So, so a couple of days ago, uh, a Reddit user, somebody online, put together a clip of a video of, of Trump when he was doing some WWE promotion. And they had Trump tackling a guy, and they put the CNN logo over this guy's face and <laughs> right. had Trump tackling him. Right. Well, Trump retweeted it. CNN lost its mind as though it's a direct attack on the entire media industry uh, in which Trump was advocating violence, when in fact it was really just a funny meme in which Trump and, and the person that put it together were mocking CNN. And that's the thing, Raheem, as you were saying, as you were saying, you know, please don't take it literally ramming it down your throat. Right. The left and the elite lack a sense of humor, and they cannot stand to be mocked. Uh, ne- they cannot stand Ned, to come be on. questioned. They lack a sense of humor, but they lack a sense of proportion. They lack a sense of reality. They, the, what, they do. Do they, what do they have? At this point, we've got to start asking, what do they have? Not here's what they don't have. So, so here's what CNN, I mean, the, the thing that's been interesting to see with, with Trump versus CNN, and, and, and Raheem, the thing I want listeners to understand is, you know, the, some of the media are saying, oh, this is a war against the media. Mm. Trump has really focused on three outlets, CNN, New York Times, and the Washington Post, which has been basically trying to become and, and have basically essentially proved that they are the propaganda machine of the left. They have left behind, I have made the argument, Raheem, that they have left behind journalism and have become simply opinion. Mm driving their own political agenda. And you can see this in the last week. CNN, three, three employees resigned, thanks to the good work of Breitbart, calling mm. them out on a fake story about Anthony Scaramucci. Yep. Then Jake Tapper runs a fake National Enquirer cover uh, on his show, and it all starts to add up. Uh, New York Times had to print uh, a retraction, a correction on one of its stories. So the thing that I think we can do, and, and Breitbart's doing an excellent job, Daily Caller, some of the other conservative outlets are doing a great job, is basically fact-checking 
CNN, New York Times, okay. Washington Post, and saying these are not the facts, here's Ned, the truth, here's, they're causing stories to be retracted. Here's what we need to understand, okay? Here's my question for you, because a lot of people will be au fait with this issue, but the question that they will have, the question that I want to ask, quite frankly, Ned, is the president has been robust in the face of these attacks from the establishment media, from the propaganda press, as I like to right. call them. But where does it go now? Because CNN, I mean, you would think by now it would have lost all semblance of credibility, but there are still people watching, right? Like, how do we get through to those people that this is a liar media outfit? Well, we don't, we don't, we don't stop. We keep on reminding people. Again, we keep this constant drumbeat of fact-checking them and saying, you know, these things are not true. I think the thing that's interesting about Trump, you know, and some people on, on the right have questioned his use of Twitter. I love it, by the way. Um, I think this. I love it too, by the way. I think I think it's absolutely it, it, phenomenal, Ned. And I wrote an article about phenomenal. this the other day that he can't lose. Right? He simply cannot lose with this tactic that he is employing. Now, I understand that a lot of people get uncomfortable with it, but just because you're uncomfortable with something, that doesn't make it not brilliant, right? Um, exactly. You know, here's the and thing, I, Ned. I, if he if he if he uh, attacks them. He pulls them away from everything else, and he makes them obsess about these tweets for 24, 36 hours, changes the whole news cycle, right? If they don't cover it, if they don't cover his tweets, then he has an unchallenged, un, uh, uh, you know, disturbed platform to reach millions of Americans every single day, however many times a day he wants to. He can't lose, Ned. That's right. No, and you've made the point this is really, in, in many ways, a distraction technique as the media is obsessing about the latest tweet. He's having victories. He's rolling back the regulatory state. He's appointing new conservative judges. You know, he's Hates doing law. all of these great things. Yeah, Kate's so, law. Exactly. Absolutely. Ned, um, I just want to ask you before we, uh, before we have to break and before I let you go, um, uh, for those of you that aren't uh, familiar with Ned Ryan, you should be, uh, not least because he's a humorous individual who thinks that men should drink Blue Moon, and I certainly do not think that. Um, but Ned, your organization's American Majority and Voter Gravity do some excellent work. Just direct our listeners to, to where they can find out more. So they can find us at AmericanMajority.org, and we train people. Raheem, it's all about building a farm team at the state and local level of good conservative men and women. We equip people to run for school boards and city councils and county commissions in the state legislature. And with Voter Gravity, VoterGravity.com, it's a national database technology company where, you know, people running for even school board can afford to use up-to-date data, front-end mobile te- you know, mobile app technology, phones, yeah. all of these things are integrated to make them more successful in actually winning races. Because you know what, Excellent. at the end of the day, Ned, we have to win politics as policy. You're absolutely right, Ned. We've got to leave it there. Sorry to rush you there at the end. Thank you, Ned Ryan, for that. I love Thanks, all your Raheem. tweets, by the way, at Raheem Kassam. I am on Twitter. Uh, the last one I got, great job filling in for hashtag Hannity. Hashtag Brown British Hannity. <laughs> I love that. The phone number, 800 941 for one, Sean. We'll be right back after this break. Hannity Headline, a bite-sized version of the show that you can take with you anywhere you go. To sign up today for Hannity Headlines, go to Hannity.com. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Raheem Kassam, the editor-in-chief of Breitbart London, filling in today for Sean Hannity, the lead story on Breitbart London, on Breitbart, sorry, at the moment, Linda Sarsour. If you don't know Linda Sarsour, this 
crazy hard left, hard uh, anti-Israel activist who was one of the co-conveners of the Women's March right after the election of President Trump. Linda Sarsour calls for, quote, jihad against the Trump administration. We'll be bringing you the clip of that later on in this show, so don't go anywhere. I want to come back to you guys on the phone lines now. 800-941-7326, 800-941-SEAN. Let's go to Jeff in Michigan. Jeff, good afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing well, Jeff. How are you? Oh, not too bad. I had to give you a shout-out because I heard you talking about Polish guys working in the Rust Belt in a Absolutely. union. That's that's me all the way. Uh, Polish guy, United Auto Worker for General Motors. I uh, got a Mexican wife, mixed-breed kids. Uh, the union, uh, the left, hates to see guys like me jump ship. I was a Democrat forever because my mm. mom and dad were. I thought I was. Voted for Obama the first time. Uh, then I woke up. And becoming a member of the union, you really wake up. And there's two types of union guys, three kinds. Mm. Your legacy, traditional guys that make twenty eight eighty six an hour with a pension, good for them. They got it. That's great. Mm. Guys like me, the newer guys, never get a pension, never make top page. We get a 401K and, and a Blue Cross Blue Shield. I'm thankful and happy. Mm-hmm. And then you got your temporary workers who are just used to fill the gaps. It's gotten so bad now that the uh, the legacy employees will will regurgitate any CNN talking point. Uh, they are they will die left. So many of them because they're holding Jeff, on the... to that pension. That pension is everything to them. Can't blame them. Yeah, uh, it got bailed out during the during when GM went under. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they always will stay left because Obama bailed them out, and that they've been working for thirty years, and that's you know their nest egg. That's going to be what they take care of their wife and their grandkids with, and everything else. Can't blame them. Mm-hmm. That don't make no one a bad guy. Jeff, it's interesting. One of the things you said right at the beginning of the call really resonated with me is that, you know, you're, you're the left's worst enemy. You're the left's worst nightmare, in a sense. Um, and I feel the very same way. I mean, my name is Raheem Kassam. My parents were uh, Muslim, Shia Muslim immigrants from Tanzania to the United Kingdom. I remember growing up being told by the people in politics and journalism that I was around, you know, prodding their fingers in my chest. Hey, you need to be one of us. You need to be a leftist. You need to be a Labour supporter, a Labour voter. Because because of who I was born to or because of my genetics or because of my background. You know, this this idea, <laughs> very racist idea from the left, really, that you have to have a certain politics, that you can't think for yourself just because of your, your skin color or, or anything like that, Jeff. So it, it really um, it really resonated with me what you said there. Identity politics, and, and there's no reason for us to vote left. There's no benefit. We will never get a pension. Uh, we were bombarded with propaganda from the UAW, and you know during the election, uh, everything from Hillary don't want your guns, but you can go on YouTube and you can see how she's saying uh, we need to follow Australia's example. Uh, I mean, they they lie, lie, lie. We knew what was coming. Uh, to us, if you're in the auto industry, trade is really big. So they they we weren't taking it. We were fed up. You can't lie to us anymore. We don't care. There's no benefit to voting left for us. And it just blows me away that these guys who have been making triple what everyone else has been making for so long, got these big old gun collections, good for them, continue to vote left, and all that's doing is going to work on chipping away everything that they've worked for. Yeah. Jeff, I was I was there in um, I was there in Michigan very recently as well, uh, and I was looking into Hamtramck and looking into Dearborn as well. Um, some devastating things going on there, Jeff in Michigan. Thank you so much for that call. I want to get to as many as possible here. Let's go to Peggy in New York State. Um, who wants to pick up on that Charlie Guard story? That uh, that really harrowing story we heard about the 11 month old baby in the United Kingdom. Peggy, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for taking my call. Pleasure. Go right I, ahead. I was so happy that I heard. 
um, the Sean Hannity show covering the Charlie Gard case. Mm-hmm. I've been following it closely for quite a while now, and there's many followers on the Facebook page, uh, Charlie's Army USA. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just horrible what they've done to the parents because the parents are the ones who should Peggy, have this. Peggy, do you worry that this is what this is what is coming down the line for the United States if the Democrats get their way and it goes to single payer and it goes to a national health service just like we've got in the United Kingdom? You'll effectively have death panels like this. Absolutely, I'm worried about it, and I know that the Terry Schiavo Foundation is also following this case closely. Yeah, um, it's similar to what happened to Terry there. So yes, Absolutely. I was very glad to hear that the coverage was there. And there's going to be a rally and a thank you to President Trump on Sunday in New York City. Mm. Outside of St. Patrick's Cathedral, they're going to gather at 11 a.m. When is that? Saturday? It's Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Sorry. Sunday, 11 a.m. outside St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City. There you go. There you go. I I think I can see it from the window here. Peggy in New York State, we're going to leave it there, but thank you so much for that call. I want to just quickly squeeze in Mark in Michigan, too. Mark, you've got about a minute if you can can squeeze it in there. Sure. Thanks for taking my call. I'm a physician, and first want to say uh, you might want to pull over before you hear my comments. I do not believe that health care is a right, and I think we need to have a big discussion about Uh, what it means for it to be a right. Secondly, I'm a pediatric surgeon, and I've cared for children similar to uh, Charlie. And um, again, I think that this is demonstrating, if we consider health care a right, that society needs to take care of them. Society is going to make decisions for you about your loved ones, your children, uh, and that we need to to grow up and and, um, uh, learn to take responsibility for our own health care. Um, it's the golden rule. Whoever has the gold makes mm. the rules. And so if the government's going to be paying for your health care, then they're going to be deciding who lives and who dies. It, 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 you can't get away from it. Right. Mark in Kalamazoo in Michigan. Thank you so much for that. You make such a great point. And obviously, you know, look, I'm 31 years old, ladies and gentlemen, and I've lived with the National Health Service all my life. And there are some great nurses and great doctors within the National Health Service. But it's the system, it's the socialized welfare system letting these people down, letting us down. And you guys have to stay as far away from it as humanly possible, as far as I'm concerned. 800-941-7326. We know you never want to miss the Sean Hannity Show. And now you never have to. Just sign up for Hannity Headlines. A bite-sized version of the show that you can take with you on your laptop, your mobile phone, everywhere you go. Even to your liberal in-laws place in Vermont. So, um... Yeah. And after a few hours of that, you'll be glad you brought Sean along. To sign up today for Hannity Headlines, go to Hannity.com. Welcome back. It's the Sean Hannity Show with me, Raheem Kassam, the editor-in-chief of Breitbart London, filling in for Sean Hannity today in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, Every so often, uh, when you're hosting a radio show, something comes up in the middle of the show. Almost every day, really. (laughs) But... uh, this this clip that we're about to play, I, I just had to break from the plan we had for this segment because it is so outrageous, so incendiary, 
so despicable and disgusting that I think everybody needs to get to grips with who the real enemy is in this country. In the United States, just like in the United Kingdom, we have a fifth column in this country. And I want to play you what Linda Sarsour, a Palestinian-American anti-Israel activist who helped organize the Women's March the day after President Trump's inauguration, said this week at the annual conference of the Islamic Society of North America. Let's play the clip. There was a man who once asked our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. he said to him, what is the best form of jihad or struggle? And our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to him, a word of truth, truth in front of a tyrant ruler or leader. That is the best form of jihad. And I hope that we, when we stand up to those who oppress our communities, that Allah accepts from us that as a form of jihad, that we are struggling against tyrants and rulers, not only abroad in the Middle East or in the other side of the world, but here in these United States of America where you have fascists and white supremacists and Islamophobes reigning in the White House. The words of Linda Sarsour, one of the co-conveners of the Women's March, ladies and gentlemen, as if anything else needed to be said, declaring a jihad against the U.S. government. When are we going to get to grips with the fact that there are people out there who want to change the very fabric of our countries? I told you guys before the break, my parents were immigrants into the United Kingdom. I integrated, I assimilated, so did they. Meanwhile, you have people like Linda Sarsour. Listen to the vitriol, listen to the hatred in her voice as she speaks about the people working in the White House. The people who, the people of the United States in electing President Trump, chose to lead this administration. And that is how she speaks about them. And there is the obvious retort. I've heard it all before, ladies and gentlemen. Believe you me, leaving Islam, you end up knowing more about Islam than being a practicing Muslim. So I've heard this all before, that you can excuse this sort of speech as, oh, no, we just, you know, the Quran speaks of opposing tyranny, and that's what I'm getting at rubbish you use a word like jihad in a major national speech like that knowing full well its connotations especially here especially in the united states where your jihad killed thousands of people just blocks away from where i am right now in manhattan you use the word jihad and then you pretend you can hide behind some sort of some sort of deflection some sort of sophistry i don't think so 800-941-7326, 800-941-SEAN is the number. I want to come back to you guys on the phone lines. Uh- Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, they are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now, you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.